All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show, Tuesday edition. Greger, Connor Halley, with you. Quick text. Uh, hey, Gregor, thanks for not forgetting about the Hag tragedy. It's a disgusting reminder of how the government exists to cover up its own behind at the expense of right and wrong. How many millions would it cost us, and how sad is it that a boy grows up without a father because pencil pushers couldn't do their job competently from 1010 Ken? Well, Ken, you know what? I applaud Mike for uh, for doing a lot of work on this, and that's why I have him on. Um, uh, I read it stuff uh, regularly. I knew he was coming to Edmonton. I thought it was uh, it was timely, and uh, I think you're bang on. There there. I think for for Pat Reed to get uh, paid out was was awful by the city. There were, there were lots of people afterwards whose main focus was to try to protect themselves rather than uncover the truth, and you know that's unfortunate for sure. Gregor Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. As we welcome to the show Jason Strudwick. Strudy, how are you? Good, buddy. Really good. Kind of absorb what we saw last night, uh, trying to just figure it all out. But, yeah, good, good. Makes for exciting uh, game four. Well, the orders were – I didn't think the orders were very good at all yesterday, five and five. We're going to get into all that. But first, I know you want to get to Strud's on right away because you're fired up about it. So let's get to uh, Strud's on, brought to you by GS Construction. And uh, construction scene is upon us. They're getting busier all the time. They're hiring. Go to Indeed.com and look up GS Construction. They're looking for uh, laborers. Pipeline workers. Also, if you're into uh, media and marketing, you're looking for a marketing uh, coordinator, we got it all at Indeed.com for GS Construction. The Jason Greger Show presents... 
Struds on. New cans. I was just thrilled to get a new can. God, slip that thing on, strutting around the dressing room, showing everybody what it's all about. Look at this new can. Hey, looking good. The 101260 text line. Thank you for everyone uh, sex, uh, sex, texting. Jeez. <laughs> Woo. Tea bags. I don't believe in tea bags. I use loose leaf tea, and it is so much better than the tea bags. I'll eat tea bags. I mean, I'll. <laughs> himself. I've got nice bowling ball shoulders, a decent head of hair, and a big organ that needs to be heard. It's time for Struds On. Defending your end. Gregor, thank you for letting me go off. You know, when I when I asked to go on right away for Struds On, that there's something on my mind. Now, we before the series started, Gregor, myself, everyone who, who, who kind of follows the, the league, was talking about how Vegas is good off the rush. And last night... Vegas scored six goals. I know one is disallowed, but just for the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to pretend it, it actually counted. Uh, or or let, let's just bring it into the conversation. So six goals, four were off of the rush. Four of them off the rush. One, the, the first goal was not off the rush. That one was kind of a, um, it just, it's just poor defending. Uh, the six or the, I guess it would be the uh, Zach Whitecloud goal. So that's, I guess, the third third goal. That one was uh, mis- misplayed by two veterans who should know better. We can talk about that as well. But I want to talk specifically about off the rush. And and the biggest thing you're, you're, you're dealing with on the rush. Now, we'll take out the Jack Eichel goal because that one, you know, Beauchard, uh, you know, unfortunately falls down and that happens, unfortunately. But the other ones, you have to really think about what, what, what your job is. And when you are either defending as a defenseman or you are uh, someone back-checking, you have a role. So let's first talk specifically about the D-men. So the D-men, you see a rush coming. You have to talk to your forward and tell them what's going on, what's up. And Marshall's second goal, uh, you know, the D-men are accepting the rush. You can see there's zero communication to Nugent Hopkins. He has no idea where he's going. He over-back-checks, and then he tries to get back in, in the spot, and he, he's just running around. And now forwards, this isn't their natural place. They don't exist really to play defense. There's a couple guys out there that can, but most of them are just running around trying to figure out what to do. As a D, you have to... Tell them where to be. This is, do this, do that. And they feel so good. It's like a hug from your grandma. You're like, thank God, someone's telling me what to do. I'm going to go get in that place, and I'll take it on. So that's that's the first one uh, that, that just gets me going. And then the disallowed goal, um, and then the Chandler Stevenson goal, both of those goals, um, now I know one didn't count, but either it was Dry Settle or Bouchard, allowed the, the Vegas player to get inside position and get to the net uh, and and score. Now now I know the first one that this loud was a bit of a rebound, but just stay with me. So now if you look at the Vegas, uh, their their goal that Oilers scored the first goal. Uh, Zach or not Zach uh, Fogel does the same thing. He gets inside position, drives it at bang, and he tops it. In, he taps it in. But that's the game. You want to make sure that as a basic rule, the most basic rule. Anyone can teach a hockey player when you don't have the puck, stay between your man and the net. That that's the most basic, fundamental defensive rule that is well well displayed and well talked about in every dressing room. And those two goals specifically, the denied one or the one that was called back and then Chandler's goal, I believe, they they both times the player gets inside position. Now, is that a, a a skill thing? Not really. It's general awareness. It's just awareness of what's going on and competing. So you hear after the game, you know, the guys are talking about, well, you know, we got to compete a little harder. That's what competing is. 
That's competing because you're competing for the space on the ice. Just like they did on the first goal where, you know, Bukestad and uh, CC kind of get turned around and they're not competing really. They're, they're kind of fighting for the puck, but they don't stay between their man and the net. And Marshall just walks out, taps in. Could Skinner have saved it? Yeah, he could have. But he shouldn't have to make that save because the puck shouldn't even get out of the corner because everyone's doing their job. So last night, the Oilers, I believe, if they didn't play horrendous, they defended poorly and they didn't bring that extra um not even extra just a level of compete away from the puck that's needed game two they were all over it. they were skating making things happen now to be fair i think vegas tried maybe a little bit harder last night than they had in game two but it still is competing for that ice and go back watch goal one by well the only goal by the owners go back watch goal three uh by, by sorry goal two by vegas goal I don't know if Eichel's a little bit different. Chandler Stevenson's goal and then the uh, disallowed goal. All those goals are the exact same thing and could have been defended. Like, it's not hard. They weren't amazing plays by Vegas. Unfortunately, the Oilers were literally, Greg's, outworked in those moments for that open ice. Oh, I I was... Quite surprised. I thought the orders really got outworked. Now, you know, the, the first goal there, Struddy, I watched a defensive play twice. Cody Seeksy actually got stick on puck, which is what you want as a defender, twice. And then it bounced up, and then on the third, you know, then he loses the battle there. Um, of all the goals, again, that one, it's funny. He actually made two decent defensive plays to start, right? Then the puck flips up, and then when the puck flips up like that, you know, I think your natural tendency is, okay, i got to go there, but I'm sure you played, Struddy. Sometimes you get caught, you know, you're looking up at the puck to see where it's going to land. Land, right. Um, I, I, now the orders. I want to ask you as a defenseman because it's clear in how they want to defend. When the forward, the Vegas forward, has the play at the blue line, they want the defenseman pressing right up on him, right? Because that's what Nurse does. And then him and Fogel got crossed up, and Fogel obviously allowed White Cloud to go down. But was Nurse pressing too far? Because I've seen it in a lot of other places, Stretty, all over the ice. That's clearly something they want. Why do they want the defenseman pushing up so much? Yeah, that's a really good question. So let's talk first about what offensively they're trying to do. Vegas, and when I say they, I'm talking about Vegas. So or any team, and the orders do it as well too. Is that there's more open ice above the top of the circles because there's just two D men and usually two forwards. So there's room to 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 move and maneuver. So when you bring your forward up there, your offensive forward up into that area, um, there there's you can create a three on two up high, and then maybe you can you know that three on two becomes a two on one. And now you can maybe get the puck to someone open and now they can kind of skate downhill with speed, similar to what is being done off the rush. And we've seen McDavid do it all the time. And so you're trying to tack down ice and trying to make something happen offensively. So that is a play that you're right. You see it all the time. Now for the defender, I have no problem with nurse going up there. You've got to try to take away his time and space, try to limit it. But what Fogel and nurse don't do is similar to what I talked about off the, the goal rush, um, or the rush goal, I believe it was Jonathan Marcia, so try to spell that one, uh, his second goal, what happens is that they don't communicate, right? Both Vogel and Nurse just literally go straight at the guy with the puck. What needs to happen is either Nurse recognizes that there's going to be a bit of a... Um, uh, um, uh, you know, a grouping of players, and he sags down and waits for whoever to pop out to come out, or Fogel sags under. But you can see neither one communicates to each other, and it literally gives White Cloud what I call the semi-breakaway from the blue line. So it was a nothing play. Neither of those guys up top were going to score, and then all of a sudden they both go up there, no communication, and they, what I determined is duplication. Two guys go to the forward. No one gets White Cloud. And smart play by White Cloud. Smart play to get him the puck. Boom, he skates downhill and shoots the puck. So 
Yeah, it's, there's no problem with them coming up. You just have to understand that there has to be communication. And probably in that situation, because I've used this before, you can't trust a forward. I think Nurse would have probably been better off to kind of play it soft and see how his forward, in this case, Fogel, plays it out and react from there. Yeah. Wow. So um, the, the other thing was, Strutty, see, I agree that the owners, I thought after the first 10 minutes, Edmonton's offensive game was terrible. Uh, they 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 wasted numerous odd man rushes. Now Drysaddle wouldn't say wasted at the goal post or or Brassois made a great save. I watched the replay numerous times. I can't tell which was which because I didn't hear the post sound in the rink. And then I watched it on replay. I'm like, okay, I think that was a post. But then I watched it again. I'm like, no, I think he got a save on it. And then I couldn't ask him after the game because of course uh, he got injured. But I felt like the orders from basically the start of the second period on offensively they like Aiden Hill. That was like the best relief appearance ever for a goalie. He's just like, this is great. I'm not really getting tested because he looked completely out of sorts. There's a few times the puck's in the crease. It's bouncing off him. Like, I thought Edmonton wasted an opportunity against a goalie who hasn't played in some time. I know, you know, he got a little bit of a, a mop-up duty in game two, but I'll be very curious how they attack Hill because obviously Lauren Brassois is not playing. But offensively, uh, you know, and it was interesting, Bruce Cassie felt like he loved the fact that his team played below the goal line a lot. They cycled the puck a lot. Says, A, it keeps Edmonton out of the O-zone. But then he said it, more importantly, it's more fatiguing having to defend. And so even then, when you do finally break out of the defensive zone, now you don't have the same pop offensively. And that's what I saw. Edmonton from the second and third period, I don't think they generated anything of note. So I've talked about this, you know, going back to last year, what I call the half-court offense. So that ability to play kind of below the tops of circles and just grind it out, grind it out. And doesn't necessarily mean that you're scoring off of that, but it's it's sustained ozone pressure, and you just kind of work the other team down. And more importantly, they're 180 to 200 feet from your goal, right? So it's it's highly unlikely they're going to score a goal from that place. So you work it down. I think that a line we can that does a pretty good job of it uh, is McLeod's line. Like, they do a pretty good yeah. job hanging on that puck and working it down low. Now, I know they scored off the rush last night, so it's a little bit – maybe it doesn't quite support my argument. But they are pretty good at playing down in that area. And so that's, you know, that's kind of what Hyman does um, really well. That's kind of his bread and butter. You know, you don't think of Hyman too – is that real threat off the rush? No disrespect to him intended, but um, so you got to be able to play that that's that that style of game, and it it, it wears another team down. It drags it, it drags them down. So when you're defending that, you have to kind of go back to that idea of uh, just being between your man and it all the time. And yeah, they're going to have some time then in, in your in your end. Oh, too bad, like that that happens. But when you're on a, a forward and you're going there, it's all, it's one thing to have that Ozo time. It's another to get in between their D-men and the net. I used to hate it when guys would get between me, me and my goalie because now they had inside position. And now they have a chance to grab a rebound or get a pass. You know, think of Fogel now again off the rush, so not the best example, but he gets inside position and the pass comes to him and he taps it in. You know, you get that inside position. You, you're you unable to defend the way you want to anymore. So I think that's something that it's one thing to cycle, but you sometimes have to take that puck or often into the middle of the ice and then get in between those guys and their, their, their goalie so that now you can really make them feel uncomfortable. And that's when guys get nervous. I, I have to be honest, when I was when a team was in our zone and they were cycling around a ton and they were just kind of staying on the outside, you're like, it looks good. And, and yeah, they're, they're not, you're not on their end, but they're really not a threat. When they started taking it inside, that's when I started getting a little panicky. Gregor Stroud with you at the Sports Center TSN 1260.
Take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Dave McCarthy will uh, join us. Uh, some uh, big games tonight, game fours. Order fans, pay attention because uh, you'll be watching. Now, if, you, if you're a believer in patterns, whatever the Dallas Stars do, the orders have done. Dallas wins game one. Or sorry, loses game one, wins game two, loses game three, wins game four, five, six. Then they lose game one, two, or sorry, one and three in round two and win game two. They've done the exact same thing. If Dallas wins tonight, if you're a believer in pattern, well, then just uh, put the money down and play Alberta.ca that the orders are winning game four. I'm kidding, but maybe not. We'll return to the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Did a little uh, switching of the lines. Uh, McCarthy will join us next hour as we are happy to welcome to the show Ron Rashog, the next-gen transportation uh, sponsor of the Rashog Report. They are a huge supporter of numerous youth sports teams in the uh, Edmonton area and many local charities. They love giving back to the community. NextGenTransportation.com. Ryan Rashog from TSN. And uh, Shogger, starting tomorrow, McDavid, Drysaddle. Do you separate them or does the health of Zach Hyman impact that decision? Um, yeah. I think it, it does impact it a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. I think you keep them together and do what you did in game two. Just play a lot of them early and uh, double shift them, play them lots of minutes. Um, just keep them together, I would think. But I don't know. This is like Strud's and the goalies. I have a hard time with this one. Uh, by the way, Struddy, I was on overdrive. They were ripping you when you weren't there, even to me. Oh, geez. That's too yeah. bad. Yeah, I noticed I didn't get the invite, eh? I can't imagine why. What's yeah, going well, on in that's, Toronto? Yeah, that's exactly. And, and, I, and <laughs> I think uh, McLennan actually brought that up. They want no part of you right now. But at the very no. end, I was like, well, you guys have a great couple of days, and that made O mad. So I represented for you. I stuck up for you and represented for you. Uh, I love it. I'm in their heads. I'm in their heads. I'll weigh in. <laughs> I think you separate these guys. I've been saying that since the beginning uh, of this series. I think you, you, you separate them. You can put them together every now and then. But I think you, you, you separate them. And, and uh, I, I want to see those guys play against the centers of, of uh, Vegas. I don't think you should be scared of that. So, I don't know. I'm separating them. What do you do, Gregs? Oh, 100%. I'm se- Vegas is a four-line team. They play their four lines. L.A. only played three lines. It was a little bit easier to do um, because Edmonton, then they played like three and a half lines because Kostin and, and Yamamoto played. But Vegas runs four lines. I'll say this, guys. I think Yanmark is going to play tomorrow, and I think uh, they're going to go with uh, with 12 forwards unless Hyman's not ready. If, if Hyman's ready, I think they're going to go Yanmark and Hyman in the lineup. And uh, I think they will go with, with four lines. And and I want the reason I'm doing it. Evander Kane hasn't been on the ice five on five for a goal. Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, hasn't been on the ice five on five for a goal in this series. They need some other guys going. They can't. You can't win with just one line. Now the McLeod lines played very well the whole series. I'd argue they've been the most consistent line through three games. Not the most productive, but easily the most consistent. So I like that line. They they can match up against any of Vegas's lines. Honestly, I don't. I don't mind Fogle, Ryan, and McLeod. They're responsible defensively. They can skate with any line, but I would go three lines to start. If you want to put McDavid and Drysaddle in certain times after penalty kills or whatever, guys, I'm totally for it, but I'm starting the game on separate lines and saying, okay, guys, let's go, and if we assume the the five-on-five is going to be 48 minutes, give or take, that means I can have those guys on for close to 30 of the 48 minutes, each on their own separate line or the odd time together. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, listen, they've won games in that formation. They've won games in with them together, 11 and 7. Um, 
I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, wh- how many minutes can you play them? Like, can you, oh. if you want like, to involve four lines, um, and you're not rotating them through on any of the other lines necessarily, because suddenly you want to be this four-line team with Jan Mark just coming off injury. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not quite as convinced. You make a good case, but I'm not quite as convinced. Well, I don't have to play my fourth line a lot. I'm playing them like seven, eight minutes. Mm-hmm. But I just mean are the are your big guys? I mean, critical game. I think you just want to throw all kinds of McDavid and Drysaddle at them, don't you? And I, mean, well, I, I don't I think, think you back off minutes of Nugent Hopkins. I mean, he and Kane need to produce. If they don't. You're going to have a hard time winning. But I think you just you you just keep giving them the opportunity, don't you? I do, but I think they have a better opportunity if one of them's with each Drysaddle and McDavid rather than together. I know Kane's been with both and he hasn't done anything. So mm-hmm. I, I just think it gives them it gives them a different look, and I think it's a better matchup. Vegas Vegas doesn't have, like, they don't have a Deneau or a Kopitar. And the way they play, I actually think it plays better into the style of McDavid and Drysaddle, right? There's more speed through the through the neutral zone with these two teams, and that benefit, that should, in theory, benefit those two, whether they're together or apart. Hmm. Yeah, they've just been together so much lately, but the results haven't been haven't been fantastic lately either. So, yeah, good debate. I don't know which way it's going to go. I just sort of feel like okay, they're cornered right now. Backs are getting to be up against the wall. So, go and just throw lots of twenty nine and ninety seven at them, lots, and just let them do their thing. But I think you need the whole team going, right? Like, I think, you know, I, I, the third line has been really, really good. Um, I think there's been some other guys that have had some moments. So I don't think it's like it's just those two guys. I think this is a good team. Like, the Vegas is a good yeah. team. So you need everyone, I think, kind of chipping in here, right? And, uh, I mean, look at last game. Fogel's the only guy that scored. And, honestly, I, I think he's been one of the stronger players for the Oilers over the playoffs. Like, you know, I compared agree. to last year's. So, I think you got to look at it. And they need everyone buzzing. And so, I think if you spread, you leave that third line alone. And then he's put, uh, as Gregor talks about, to you split those two guys up and put any combination, whatever you, whatever you think the, the answer is. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but put it together. And then let those, roll those three lines up and just say, okay, we're doing this. Let's play. Because you're going to have some penalties. You're going to have some PK time. Um, but I, pretty important game tomorrow. I'm not saying it's do or die, but, you know, you can definitely, if you don't win tomorrow, you can definitely see it from, you know, from a distance. Yeah. Yeah, you guys make a good case. Really, either way, whatever formation you roll the lines out in, they need to play better. They need to bring a much higher level of game. If they do that, it won't matter, I don't think, if they've got those guys together or apart. If they need to get back to playing the type of hockey that they can play because two out of the three games they haven't really been in the range, and they got to get that sorted out. And if they do, it's not going to matter if those guys are together or apart. That's totally fair. Um Let's say Hyman's ready to go, and I, I was told today that, that it's kind of fifty-fifty. Which, if it's fifty-fifty, you know, like I'd never heard fifty-fifty for Kane earlier, uh, and Kane played every game. So, um, you know, we'll see. My, my gut tells me that I think Hyman will want to play, and that's why they'll go with twelve, just on the off chance that maybe, you know, what there's, you know, he's playing, but you know how it is, guys, in the playoffs, you're playing sometimes, but you know, you're not fully there. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. I don't think there's any way if he's in in jeopardy that you go 11 forwards and he's one of them. So I would completely agree with that. And uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think he'll probably play. 
the fact that he played right through to the end of that game and kept trying, kept trying yes. in a four-goal game, like that tells you, Agreed. I mean, the game was over and he was still out there trying. So it tells you whatever it is, it's more of a, a more being a little hurt as opposed to injured. So I think that, unless it got way worse today or something dramatic happened today, I think it probably signals that uh, he's not necessarily going to make it worse by continuing to play in its playoff time. I, I think he'll figure out a way to get himself ready would be my guess. I want to ask you, Rashog, about the, the matchup. We mentioned the McLeod line. They played a lot against Eichel's line in Vegas, but not as much last night. And Eichel and Marsha, so that was their best game. Is is that a matchup? Would would you want more of of, of McLeod and Fogel against them? Because they did a good job in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's working, I think so. Um, and that line has been good. But, I mean, they're, they're not asked to do a ton, right? They don't... You know, they need, just need to go out there and skate fast and, and try and keep possession of the puck, and, you know, that's a good game for them. And the fact that they chipped one in was fantastic. You know, get on them. Um, if it's working, then, yeah, be comfortable with it and, and, and go with it if those guys are playing well. But I just don't think you want to get into feeling like you got to not throw 29 or 97 over the boards because, oh, there goes Eichel, and you don't want that. I don't think you want to be not... Oh God, no! Guys. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of them, but I'm like, if I can get that matchup, yes, if I can get that matchup, I do it more. Like when I can, because then that frees up McDavid and them not to have to go against him. Because Marsha So and Eichel were arguably the two most dangerous players on the ice last night. Yeah, and did you notice that? I think that was a game where Vegas didn't start their fourth line, um, if I recall correctly, too. Where Cassidy likes to just kind of throw his depth line out there to set the tone. Um, he leaned into his big guys, I think, a little bit in that game too. So, I think if they're handling the matchup okay, then then go for it. But if twenty nine or ninety seven are ready, I think you're 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 tapping them and not holding them back um, because you're chasing some other matchup. I think at the end of the day, guys, I, 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 they can put any combination that we've talked about. I think they are good ideas, but if they don't defend with some some. Like zip, it, it it it's not going to matter, right? And I think we saw that in game two. I expect to see it in game four. Like there, there's a better version of it because when you defend hard, you get the puck back, you get out of your zone, you get going, or you stop them on the rush, or whatever, whatever was the issue last night. I think they get it, get it going. And I I do think that tempo on defense it helps get your tempo going in the offensive zone and through the neutral zone. Yeah, yeah, defending out of the corners better, right? Doing a better job, not getting beat to the net. Um, they had some blown coverages and missed, flat out missed some guys. They were all worked in situations, like really uncharacteristic stuff that we didn't see a ton of when they went on that long stretch of game with, uh, without losing in regulation. Like They're better than what they've been for these two games. And I know that Vegas has something to say about it and that they're making it tough, but uh, the orders are better than what they've shown. And I think that would be, if they lose this series, I think it will be pretty disappointing to them because – um, in two of the three games, they haven't been close. And that's not characteristic of this team over the last three months. I think that'll be most disappointing to them. It's not like you know they, they just they were tight games and they banged up against a, a, a better team and oh well. It'll be like you didn't bring it when you needed it. They got to stop that whole idea dead in its tracks tomorrow night. One last one for you. Would you contemplate switching the D pairs at all, or is it just a bad night and you go back to with what's worked? 
Yeah, no, I, I, I at home and Bouchard, I don't think you're messing with that at all. Uh, they've been really good for a long time. Uh, Bouchard, it was an off night. He's been fantastic in these playoffs. So I think you just load him back up, give him another opportunity to get back at it. The Nurse and CC one, I mean, read it. If if one or the other is having a tough go and you want to mix up the other pair a little bit, then I, I think maybe you're open to it. But, like, they weren't good enough. They need to be better for sure. Um, uh, you know, throw Bouchard in there as well. Um, but I think you don't have as much success as they've had in a certain formation and uh, and just snap snap change it like that, especially because of the Ekholm-Bouchard pairing and how consistent they've been. So I'd say no for now. Struts? No, I'm not changing them up. It's just, it's just there's not a better – I don't know what the better fit would be. Right, I know people are talking about CC and Kulak, but then you got two lefties, two righties. I just don't, unless you take Broberg and leave him in. I, I think you leave it. What would you do? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you to start. I, now we we've seen in both games there's been shifts. Now last game was kind of out of hand, but uh, they they tried a lot of different combinations on the blue line last night. So I I would agree with Shogger. I think they're going to start the game with what's got them to the playoffs. And if it's not working early, I think I'll say this: it's two to one now in the series. You know, you're halfway through game four, and let's say you're trailing two to one, and you haven't played well. I think that's when we'll see changes, right? Because at some point, that's what coaching is. You can't just sit there and slam your head and hope that eventually it'll work out. If if it's not going, like Nugent Hopkins, right? If he's not going again, and it's halfway through the game, I'd consider moving Fogel up, give him some shifts there, and, and see what happens. Because you got. You can't wait and wait yeah. and wait and hope the guys are going to get going. If some guys aren't going, you got to look at uh, some other options. Yeah, Chogger? I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair, yeah. buddy. Yeah, awesome. Have a great day, buddy. We will chat with you tomorrow. See you guys. It's Ryan Rashog, TS, and the Rashog Board brought to you by NextGenTransportation.com. We will uh, come back. We'll get to uh, Tell Me I'm Wrong and more on the Tuesday edition of the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Gregor Strudwick, Connor Halley with you on a lovely uh, Tuesday. A little uh, extra stress of the playoffs in uh, Ordersville right now. Uh, not a good performance last night. I-, I think the concern level should be a little bit higher than it was after game one because that was one game. And Edmonton had really dominated most of the series against L.A., but now it's two out of three games that Vegas has clearly been the better team on the ice. So uh, the Edmonton Orders, time to uh, to wake up. Uh, a little bit offensively. I, I think that is completely safe to say. We've got a lot of text flying in at 101260. You can email us at our Jiffy Lube inbox, Gregor, tsn1260.ca. It's always a good time to get an oil change, but even better right now, they're in the giving mood at the Jiffy Lube. Uh, come in for a Pennzoil uh, synthetic oil change, and uh, as a gift, they will give you a $20 uh, gift card at uh, many local businesses. They like to support local, and uh, you will too when you go to jiffylubeservice.ca. As a, let's get now to Shreddy's just fired up right now. Holy cow, he had an afternoon nap or something. He's just ready to roll. So we get to uh, Tell Me I'm Wrong, Strud's Edition, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no payments, no interest for one full year on your AC unit. Stay cool all summer, no swass at LegacyHeating.ca. The Jason Greger Show presents Tell Me I'm Wrong. It is true. I, I've just come out firing today. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot on my mind. So obviously we saw the draft lottery last night, and and um, you know whatever it's it, it it's 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 fun to see where this this really good player is going, and I hope that he does really well. But I'm here to tell you, for him, him being Connor Bedard, short term, that was the worst place he could go. 
even worse than Arizona, worse than Montreal, because when you look at what is currently on that on that uh, depth chart of players, I don't believe, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Lucas Reich a lot of it because he wasn't with the team full time last year. He's a, he's a young a young player, but about everyone else, there is not one top six forwards amongst them. Now I know they traded Kane. I know that Jonathan Taze, although they might want to revisit that, Jonathan Taze is not coming back. I know they traded away Max Tomey. Now you can argue that maybe Anthony is, but I'm not sure that he's a top six forward on a on a good team. He can he can play, but he's not that. There's not one top six forward. Not one. Tyler Johnson, yeah, he's got another year left or whatever. I don't think at this time he's the top six forward. You know, in a pinch, he can be, you know, your Yamamoto, I guess. But they don't have one. So you are this young player who is going to have all these expectations for himself, they've sold you know a billion dollars worth of tickets to, 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 for next year already, so there's going to be high expectations for him. And he's going to look around the bench and say, who am I passing this to? Who, who's going to be the guy that I'm going to pass the puck to? Now, the Blackhawks will probably go and try to add some guys. Is this the time in your rebuild you want to start adding six, seven-year contracts for guys that are coming off of whatever, you know, a good – want to sign and there are some there'll be some that are helpful is this where you want to start putting those contracts in place now because Bedard has no one else to play um you know original six franchise yeah they have they've they've made mistakes there's no doubt about it and that's not what this is about this is about for this young player guys tell me i'm wrong i believe that there was not a worse team short term he could go to yeah they got draft picks and stuff but those don't turn in two or three years. So this is the bad spot for him. Connor Bernard, short term. Oh, Strutty. You know, it's funny because I was looking back at a lot of other uh, top picks. And so, you know, you go back to uh, to 2010 and, and Taylor Hall when he came to Edmonton. At least there was Sean Horkoff, right? Jordan Everly came in at the same time. Um, you had Alish Hemsky. You know, you, so you had somebody. I go back, you know, you, you look at McDavid when, when he came in, you know, that, that team, they had Taylor Hall. You know, you had Jordan Eberle. You, you know, Leon Dreisaitl. You had some other players. I look at Chicago, and, like, I even look at Austin Matthews when he came in. He he didn't have, like, that bad of a supporting cast. I would agree with you. Like, I, I looked at all the teams, and, you know, they can talk all they want about the young draft picks, and maybe they'll pan out or not. We'll see. But you've got Seth Jones on the back end. After that, maybe Murphy. How much else? And here's the thing. This year's free agent class is very shallow. Now, they might want to go out and sign guys on one-year deals and pay them an extra million bucks because they just want some quality veterans to help them. And some quality veteran might say, you know what? I'm going to get an extra payday for a year. I can get traded at the deadline. This will be good for me. It's possible. But I agree wholeheartedly with you. There is no team lacking in t- talent today than Chicago. This is a, this is going to be a tough uh, a tough spot for him, no question. Um, I saw it yesterday. There was a lot of people saying, "Will Bedard pull a Lindros?" Um, and I want to go there because of what you know what Chicago did. Now, currently in the organization, other than the owner, there there's no one involved in the organization still that was there um, during the the Keith scenario. Right, so um, or Beach, not Keith. What am I saying? Kyle Beach. Sorry. Um, so, do you, do you punish those people because of that? 
Uh, some people say, hey, you know, karma doesn't exist and you know, in, in certain situations, I, I think, hey, you can make a strong case for it. But I think as talent goes, Strads, it's hard. Like, look at Columbus, no. Look at Anaheim, no. Um, you know, you look at San Jose, they, they've got Couture, they got Eric Carlson, like, they got some guys. Chicago has nobody. I agree with you. Um, from, yep. uh, from a talent level, it's there's nobody lesser in talent than the Chicago Blackhawks right now today. And they tore it down to, and I'll even take it a step further, and I forgot to include this, Greg, not to jump on top of you, but I believe in three years when his contract is up, not one player, again, outside of Lucas Reichel, and maybe Seth Jones will still be on the team in three years. This will turn over 100%, well, I guess not 100% because he's on it, 95%, whatever the math is. It'll be a, a 95% turnover because not one of these guys will be there. And, you know, your point to me, well, orders is, is, well, is, is well made. At least Sean Horkoff could help those guys out, right? There's some other players that are helping out. But this team, man, they have so much work to do. And I think it's a real challenge. I don't know if you can go out and just start signing free agents for these deals. Now, you're right. There's not a ton. Now, maybe you package up some of your, your draft picks, your draft capital. What do they have? Eight picks in the first three rounds. So maybe you get a guy like Oliver Bjorkstrand for a, what I think was a third and a fifth or something, right? But that's one. You need five, five top six forwards. They have none. They have one now. They have one. That's it. Connor, what do you think, you old dog? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think there is probably a lot better landing spots for him. And I just brought up the just on cap friendly here. So they have Tyler Johnson. They have Jason Dickinson, Colin Blackwell, and then a bunch of younger guys, McKenzie, Entwistle, Reese Johnson, Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish. Those are the forwards under contract for next season. Like, what do you do if you are Chicago? Because, Gregor, you mentioned it. There's some free agents there, but they're mostly older guys. Would you just say, hey, we're just going to commit to sucking again for another year? Or do you go out there and spend the money and try to bring in some of these guys on one- or two-year contracts? Like, it's going to be a really interesting off-season for this team. And, you know, how much appeal does Connor Bedard have to a potential veteran? Would they want to go somewhere and play there? Or are you going to go to a team where you could maybe play a lesser role but have a chance to win? Seems kind of like a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a it's a hard one, and even adding guys like trying to add the right kind of people in there, um, like a guy. You know, I, here's an example of a guy, Greg's, that I think that would be a really nice pickup. Now, unfortunately, he's not a free agent, but a guy like uh, Perron, right? David Perron, like a good pro, works hard. Uh, you know, it, you know, it, it just seems like uh, he's in Detroit. I think, yeah. So they signed him for a, a few years. An older player, I would try to find two or three of those guys. You know, bring them in and and see if I can get a just someone he can just kind of insulate him a little bit like when you if you're Connor Bedard and you're going to play against um in in in, in, in their their conference uh you're looking at you're going to go against Kopitar uh obviously McDavid or um Leon you're going to play against Petter, Patterson you're going to play against all these guys and all these teams and yes yeah, he's not scared but he needs some help you know he's going to need some help and there'd be no one to insulate him um or support them. Even just support is a better word. So I, I don't know. I, I man, this is a tough, a tough. I think he's probably the city is great, um, but I would honestly be like, oh man, what a bad team for me to go to. It's going to suck short term. Hey guys, I hope Bedard doesn't sign and goes and plays in Europe for one year. Nick, um, like that. That's a pretty. Now I'd have to. I don't think he can. Because of his age, to be honest, I think you'd have to go back to junior by the uh, uh, the CHL rule. All right, when when Austin Matthews left, 
he was all, remember he was he, he was um uh, you know he left to, to go from his league but he was also 18 right um right and he went to Switzerland i think there's different rules for junior well a he'd have to be released by regina to go there now maybe they'd have a good uh, enough uh, relationship for him to do it but you actually have to get released from your WHL team to leave to to go to the NHL and then likely the yeah. same to, to go to Europe. So I don't think Matthews is different. He wasn't under, you know, he was kind of a free agent at a young age, which is weird. But so, no, I don't, I don't see that being the case here. Um, like, I, I don't know if, like, does Connor Bedard, does he, does he want to look like the, now some people might say, hey, this is the perfect time to do it because of the, the recent history of Chicago. And whereas in other years, I think a player would be looked upon as maybe being spoiled and a little self-centered not to do, not to go to the team that drafted him. But this is the one time where maybe Bedard would get a lot of support from people to say, you know what, you don't need to go. So it's interesting. I, I don't know Bedard at all, so I'm not gonna, I can't make uh, any sort of comment about that. Um, it, it, it would be a bold. I'm not saying it would be wrong. I want to make that abundantly clear. I don't think he would do it. What do you think, Stars? Like, do you think he would say, "I'm not uh, Chicago trade me"? I don't know. You know what? I don't know. I don't. I don't even. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a, it's a pretty big step. Um, I don't know. I, I. It happens so infrequently, right? I mean, it, it, Chicago's a great city, man. It's a great, and I know that the organizations had their, their. Uh, made some bad decisions. I love playing there, man. I And I don't think anyone who plays there doesn't like playing there. It is a great, great city. Travel's not bad. You're in the mid, kind of in the middle of everything, like the middle as far as you are. I guess you're a little more east, but you know, you're, it's not like you're L.A. on one side of the country. you got to fly back and forth. Like There's a lot of things that set up nicely for there, um, but the team. The team is, is quite frankly a mess. And if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, you know, it would have probably been better for the Hawks to have him drafted next year. You know what I mean? Where they have a year. Because I think this year they would probably, if they didn't win this, they'd be taking on bad contracts, like taking everyone's, you know, they'd be the team, the league's dumpster. Um, and now I don't think you can bring in dumpster contracts, right? And I don't think that that's, that's the play. So just looking through the free agents here, Greg, is it, you know, does, <clears throat> does can you get a, find a way to get Ryan O'Reilly to come there? I'm not sure. Can you get... I take a flyer and Max Pacioretty. Could he, you know, I know he's been hurt twice, but um, Sean Monahan, you know, like these guys that are kind of that, you know, kind of take a flyer, like Milan Lucic, like is that a guy you bring in? You know, Kyle Pozo, I don't know, maybe Buffalo signs him back, but, you know, I'm trying to find like those guys that maybe have a year or two left that can help, help him just maybe not win, but help him just have someone else around him that's been around uh, a, a little bit. Like do you, do you go see Orloff and say, hey man, like, you know what? What is what does your contract look like? Uh, so I don't know. It's it is this thing is. Whew, there's a ton of decisions to be made. A ton of decisions to be made in Chicago. Hey guys, uh, what about the edit blunder uh, when Columbus was out of the lottery for uh, daily announcement? All that is there. That's live TV, and you have Kevin Weeks on the teleprompter. And, and so everybody knew it was Columbus. The fact that he mentioned Columbus before the break, all that did was was let Columbus fans know they weren't getting the top two picks. Right? Keep in mind, and, and go read Frank Saravalli's article at dailyfaceoff.com. He was sequestered in the room. And after reading his article, I don't understand why the NHL just doesn't do this whole thing live on TV. 
It's unbelievable how you have it, the balls, because it's a code, it's a combination, right? It's not just like one ball comes out and that's the one. It's a combination as it comes out. So you could sit there at home and you'll have to, sh- you know, they would have the broadcast, they would have the combinations on the side. Oh, look, there's three teams still left now. Now we go to break. And it could be really before the, the second last ball, it was actually uh, Anaheim was going to win because uh, I think it was um, – Oh God! I got to read the article again. One of the St. Louis, not St. Louis, one of the teams out of the eleven was one ball away. Had that ball come up, they would have moved up, and then Anaheim would have just held on to number one. Right. So, reading the article, I'm like, why don't they just do this live? It would be it would be way better television. And I'm sure they're worried about well, what happens if one of the balls doesn't come out of the tube? Well, guess what? Who cares? Do it again. Yeah, you'll have people complain. Like, don't worry about the idiots who actually think it's rigged. Don't worry about them. Okay? You can't fix stupid sometimes. You can't. Let's get to uh, the con man and a sports center update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial, industrial, and structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.